The Whistleblower Report, exposing lies, deceptions, and all that has assaulted our way of life. We must take back our freedom and live as God designed in a free America that honors our Constitution and our Creator. Our experts in medicine, ministry, law, military, environment, and education empower us to grow together as a nation. For such a time as this, the Whistleblower Report offers truth and solutions. Welcome to the Whistleblower Report, and today we launch the new Border Report series under our Whistleblower Report umbrella, and we are here today with a dedicated Border Patrol agent who served this country more than 10 years on the southern border in southern Texas, and many of you know that I have a great deal of experience working with Border Patrol agents in the Tucson sector of the southern border of Arizona. So what we're going to bring you today is the shocking truth about what is really happening on the U.S. southern border and the dangers not only to the illegal border crossers that are the victims of criminals in the drug cartels and criminals coming in from other countries, but also what is the cost and impact and damage, not only to America's national security, but our social systems, our healthcare systems, taxpayer services that are paid for by hardworking American citizens, legally citizens of this country who are working, struggling to put food on the table for their own families and their tax dollars are being used to provide free benefits, food, shelter, phones, medical care, education, for those who are flooding this country illegally under the Biden administration's cloward piven strategy to collapse the economy and the social structure and the safety and integrity and sovereignty of the United States of America. This is a crime. It is a crime against humanity in America. It's a crime against humanity for the ways that the traffickers and criminals are abusing, raping, and torturing and putting into slavery the illegal, the vulnerable illegals that are coming across. And it's being sold to the American people as, oh, it's a humanitarian crisis oh, it's not anything worse than we've always seen. America, that is a flagrant lie. And the whistleblower report, border report, is here to expose the truth against the lies and deceptions that are costing lives and damaging this country every day. Share this with your friends. We of the people must stand up against the crimes being perpetrated on innocent victims, innocent Americans, hardworking taxpayers, and the lawlessness needs to stop. 
This is Dr. Lee for America, and I'm here with my guest, Border Patrol Agent Samuel Adams. And of course, that's a pseudonym. It's a very appropriate one because Samuel Adams fought for liberty and life as God's creations at the time of the first American Revolution and later became one of our early presidents, as many of you know. So welcome, Agent Sam Adams. We are grateful to have you today. I'd like for you to tell our listeners about your background, how long you've been there, what you're doing, what your concerns are. I mean, this is your voice to the American people bringing truth against the lies and deception. Thank you for joining us today. And thank you for your dedicated service in a dangerous role protecting this country. Well, thank you. That was a great intro. Uh, thank you for having me. Um, I'm grateful to uh, be able to te- uh, talk to the American people. Um, so again, my name is Samuel Adams. I am a border patrol in, the, in South Texas. Um, but uh, I kind of started my service to this country back in 2000, uh, where I joined the Army. And uh, some of the few things that I've done, I served on, under, uh, I mean, in Operation Iraqi Freedom in Iraq. Uh, I used to be a drill sergeant uh, in Fort Knox, and I was also an air assault instructor at uh, Fort Benning. That's where my last assignment was before I left active duty and uh, became a Border Patrol agent in, and, um, and then later joined the Texas Army National Guard. Um, I, I've been with, uh, I served in the military for about uh, 22 years before I was actually forced out of the Texas Army National Guard because I refused to take the, uh, the jab. And uh, that happened in March 28th of 2022 is when I was forced out. Um, at that time, I was actually on the border mission as an officer um, for the uh, Texas Army National Guard and was serving also in South Texas. Um, I've been in the, like you said, I've been in the Border Patrol for now for about uh, 10 years as well. And, uh, and I've uh, recently uh, started a, a business with um, Doc P. Chambers um, in regards to uh, securing uh, our state sovereignty. And we do so by uh, crowdsourcing innovation. And uh, we can get to that uh, maybe a little later. Uh, today, we're here probably just to discuss about border security. Uh, another thing is I also consult for a few intelligence agencies, uh, private intelligence agencies in regards to uh, border security, uh, cartel-related activity, threats facing this nation and other nations as well, not just this nation, uh, because of uh, the threat of the Mexican cartels. So that's kind of my background. That's an impressive background. And I'm very grateful that you are continuing to serve America in the roles. Of course, uh, I I know Dr. Chambers quite well. He was Lieutenant Colonel in the Army for 39 years before being forced to get the COVID shot and sustaining damages from that. I mean, he had a significant neurologic damage And of course, then they medical boarded him out into retirement when he wasn't planning to retire. Now, 
Both of you are serving our country to help secure this nation and its sovereignty and safety. I, all of us owe you a great debt of gratitude for doing that. So you were, you really have an extensive background from your service in the military and understanding how things normally operate as well as your time on the border. So, and, and in analyzing the intelligence threats to our national security, what do you see as the biggest issues right now? I get very tired of hearing people in Arizona just parrot the talking points. Oh, the border crisis is always, the border situation, they don't use the word crisis, has always been a problem and this is no worse. Well, let's start there. Is it worse than it has been in the past? I know it escalated under Obama's administration. I was writing about the diseases coming across the border, and I was doing programs on the medical aspects together with Border Patrol agents who were doing programs on the crimes and the threat to national security, the terrorists that were coming in from the Middle East and other places. So... I know it escalated for the eight years from 2008 to the time Obama went out of office at the end of 2016. How does the situation now compare with the four years under President Trump, the eight years under President Obama, and now the two, slightly over two years under Biden? Sure. So, um, the, one of the biggest differences is agenda, right? What is their mission? Uh, if you look at it as from a military's pers- perspective, if you kind of take a step back and objectively look at the situation and kind of analyze it from that perspective, what, what really is each one of those presidencies and uh, their administration's um, uh, agenda towards the sovereignty of this nation and towards really the, the southern border and what you'll see right now um, under the Biden administration, it is completely 100 uh, percent different than, of course, the Trump administration. But really, um, Barack Obama actually uh, laid every, everything in place in order for this to happen. Um, and unfortunately, so did George Bush. Um, and so really, uh, Biden really is just... Um, pushing this, uh, this open borders agenda um, at such an accelerated speed that it may seem like he, uh, he's acting on his own accord. Well, we know, we know he's not doing that, but that Obama had nothing to do with it. Well, really, um, this is just further down the stage uh, towards the, the whole goal of the eradication of our national sovereignty, uh, the eradication of c- actual citizenship in the um, and, um, and replacing it with somewhat of a, uh, a one world order, as you could say, um, a, a global governance as opposed to a nation's governance. And, uh, so really that's, that's the biggest difference when you look at, uh, the laws that, uh, the Biden administration is circumventing, um, every single one of the immigration laws, um, and all the enforcement actions, not to include, um, the expedited removal of those who are inadmissible coming in between the ports of entry, um, but uh, uh, abusing the parole authority to try to circumvent 
um, uh, deportations of those expedited removals and also ex uh, also to circumvent the actual asylum process that itself. Um, but you also look at all the other enforcement actions um, recently that what just made the headlines uh, was uh, the Border Patrol Border Patrol's uh, pursuit policy, um, where uh, we've been now restricted on um, how we pursue sm uh, alien smugglers. Um, and unfortunately, this, has, this policy that uh, was just set out, uh, that just made the news, we've actually had this policy, quote unquote, un unofficially, meaning if, if we see a vehicle uh, being staged on the border, and, they, and then illegals go from the river or from the border's edge and run into the vehicle. And they try to get away uh, from us, uh, from Border Patrol agents. Um, we, we then typically um, are asked, based off of the speed, based off the weather, based off of you know, whether it's school time and there are buses about, uh, whether there's a lot of traffic. Uh, but for the most part, we are told to... Uh, request assistance from local law enforcement, uh, from the county sheriff's department, or from DPS, uh, Texas DPS, and uh, for them to take over the fail to, to yield, to take over the pursuit. And then we would just be a, a sister, sister agency. And then once the pursuit ends um, and everyone is uh, determined to be illegal, that's the only time that we'll try to take the, uh, the, the smuggling case um, or we'll just allow the state to do it, uh, knowing that the states um, uh, will actually enact um, human trafficking or human smuggling and will actually go through with their prosecution, whereas we will not. Um, so that's just one example of many enforcement um, uh, policies and regulations that they're, they're holding off or they're changing in order to... Uh, in order to completely allow uh, all types of immigration-related matters to just freely and openly, openly happen, whether on public or private property throughout the southern border. So I'd say that's that's the biggest issue. Um, and another one, another issue is the the narrative uh, that's being addressed in mainstream media, and that narrative that they're pushing out that is that this is only a humanitarian challenge. It's a humanitarian crisis and that uh, the only people coming across the border are either refugees, asylum seekers, family units, uh, unaccompanied children. And they kind of did like a, uh, a 1984 George R. Orwell style of a narrative, meaning that they've lumped everything happening at the southern border, um, every illegal alien. Um, every uh, illicit activity uh, as, as uh, and lumped it all together under that type of framework, that humanitarian crisis framework. And so therefore all of our, our money, all of our efforts are now gonna be driven towards that effort. We have literally become a humanitarian agency. And in fact, uh, recently, Border Patrol on the CBP YouTube page put out a humanitarian agency um, uh, YouTube video stating that as such, that the safety of Americans is now our third priority, no longer our first. Our first priority that, is... That's stunning. That's really yeah. stunning. America, listen, 
to what our Border Patrol agents just said. Your safety is no longer the first priority of the Biden administration's directives to the Border Patrol agency paid for by American taxpayers, your hardworking dollars over on your backs, taking money out of your family and you're feeding your family. And now the priority of this agency is providing services and humanitarian support to illegals, those who are breaking the law. No matter how you cut it, illegal is still illegal. They are breaking the law. No matter what the reason is, a lawbreaker should be treated according to the rule of law. You have to be. So why are those coming illegally across our border different from the rules you have to follow? I want you to think about that and let that sink in and get off your couch and start complaining and speaking out and getting your friends and neighbors to speak out to your local officials. We must stop the lawlessness. Sorry for my rant, Sam Adams, but people need to have it put into terms they can understand. It's hitting you in the pocketbook, America. This, you're paying for this. You're paying for the illegals, food and shelter and cell phones and medical care and education, housing, all of it. You're paying for that. And yet you're struggling to make your own bills and make ends meet. Is that right? Of course not. So taking care of Americans is now lower priority than taking care of anyone else in the world who suddenly decides they illegally want to enter this country. Okay, I get it. The Biden administration is destroying our national sovereignty and the safety of Americans and the welfare of Americans. So what's the second priority? If the humanitarian crisis is number one, what's the second yeah, let me uh, let me. I'd have to look at that note real quick on on the one two three uh, on the YouTube page. It's uh, and I could actually give you guys give you the link so you can probably put it up. Uh, the link exactly to the YouTube uh, video that Border Patrol put up. Seeing that we're I'll now, I'll put that in the show description. Yeah, just email me that. I'll get it in there. Okay. Yeah. So so one thing. Um, that I, I kind of wanted to cover because a lot of times when you, when we talk about this and we talk about, yes, but asylum, um, a lot, maybe those either center or the left or, um, those four, um, that are for, uh, the, the people coming in, um, because they're saying that asylum is legal. Uh, the, the problem is, is that entering into the country is not legal now um so at first first and foremost like you said uh these uh, illegal aliens they violated 8 usc 1325 by entering the u.s and there is no asylum uh exception in in our in law uh they lacked immigration documents per 1182 and then because of one and two 
they're ineligible for affirmative asylum and can only request it defensively. And so while, yes, it is legal for them to request asylum once they've been apprehended or once they give themselves up to the United States for credible fear, um, they're still determined illegal and uh, inadmissible as well at that time period. Um, and so that's, so that's kind of a big argument that uh, a lot of people, I guess, on the left and those that are for this uh, massive wave of illegal immigration to the United States is they say that it's, uh, it's actually legal. Um, and they, they try to combine the words and they try to uh, change the definitions of really what asylum and the asylum process is. And unfortunately, if you don't go through and actually read it yourself and you don't, which I'll give you all this information also, so you could probably post it up. Uh, but if, if people don't inform themselves, then they can kind of be misled as to what the, our actual immigration uh, statutes are. Well, I, th I think many people these days don't bother to read much of anything. If it isn't in a soundbite on Twitter or Telegram, and if it isn't in, on TikTok, or it isn't something they can access on their phone, I don't think they bother to read it. So that's part of our problem. To maintain a constitutional republic requires an educated citizenry who is actively involved in the duties of being a citizen. In fact, we had a discussion on that earlier in the whistleblower report in the new year. And that's one of the problems. The, the people that are saying, oh, it's, it's, it's legal for them to be coming for asylum are just parroting the narrative and they don't realize that the asylum application is supposed to occur outside of the U.S. and be approved before they enter and approved with proper documents. And in the second half of the show, when we come back from break, I'd like to talk about some of the differences with how things medically are handled for the illegal border crossers versus those applying for legal immigration status. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a bit. But I, I'm glad that you explained the difference about asylum and why that's not valid as a broad brush approach to the current border invasion. Now, also in the second half, I want us to talk about the new American slave trade of the 21st century and what's happening there, what's happening with violent crime and criminals and terrorists that are coming across the border. Any other points you want to make about um, it being worse now than before or the same as before? Because that's another part of the narrative that people are saying, oh, it's the same as it's always been. No, I mean, all you have to do is look at the numbers and we actually post the numbers. Um, uh, now CBP actually posts the numbers where they're also, but the, what they're not reporting is the Godwin numbers. And uh, so they're only posting apprehension numbers. Um, and you can see just the scale. It looks like a hockey stick scale of the amount of uh, apprehensions that we, we have along the Southwest border. Um, and now look at uh, Florida. Florida is also receiving that right now. Uh, they're rece um, receiving a lot of illegals now landing on their beaches. Um, but uh, another big difference um, is what we do, one, once we apprehend them, the amount of abuse of parole 
uh, that we're just allowing them to circumvent not only the, the like I said before, the expedited removal process, uh, we're also uh, now bypassing the, uh, the mandatory detention based uh, off of law. Uh, we're now also bypassing asylum um, because asylum, you really can't get a work permit until you are within the country within 180 days. And so we're, we're bypassing that um, by using um, 8 U.S.C. 1182, which allows uh, border patrol agents to, to parole these people, but it's supposed to be on a case-by-case basis. And, and so now we're just releasing them under uh, quote-unquote humanitarian uh, crisis, which could, it could be loosely meant for really anything. Uh, climate, um, in a climate emergency, if you look at all the documents, whether that's DOD, DHS, uh, DIA, if you look at every single one of those three-letter agencies, you'll see that they've now declared that climate is an existential threat to this nation, and therefore it justifies migration to areas that don't have that existential threat, and they deem that as the United States. There is an Australian think tank that said that they're reporting or they're looking at 1.2 billion people migrating to other countries due to the climate threat. And so how many of those are going to be coming to our southern border? And so that's a big question. And because he's opened the door to, um, to all these parolees uh, coming into the United States, um, he's also fast-tracked it to now allow the parole process, which uh, Todd Benzman, uh, from the Center of Immigration Studies uh, recently put out as he has ample evidence showing that we're now doing it in Mexico. We're now starting the parole process in Mexico and just allowing them to cross our uh, ports of entry. And uh, they're bypassing all, all levels of enforcement in between the ports of entry by doing so. Unbelievable. I mean, this is truly staggering. I knew it was bad, but you were bringing up some very serious additional points that is definitely hidden from the American people by the collusion between big tech, big media, big government, and the global elites who are trying to break down the independence and the sovereignty of the United States of America and collapse our economy to bring it under the one world government, as, as you mentioned, and I've certainly been studying that for probably the last 20 years to look at the pattern of what's been going on. It is truly staggering. And America, for all of you listening, we are very close to the tipping point if we have not already surpassed it. And you're going to have to get involved if you want your children and grandchildren to live in freedom and to have the the safety and security of living under the rule of law, which very few countries in the world have ever had, and America has been very blessed up until now to to all of us to grow up in a country where the rule of law prevailed. If you want for your children the safety and benefits and the ability to pursue the American dream the way you had it, you're going to have to help fight for it at this time. This is Dr. Lee for America. We'll be right back with the second half after the break. Check out our website, truthforhealth.org, and we will have more on the U.S. border crisis and the new American slave trade as we go forward in the Whistleblower Report. So 
I welcome all of you. Tune in every day, Monday through Friday, 12 noon and 12 midnight Eastern time for more of the truth the mainstream media refuses to tell you. We'll be right back. Here we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations. AmericaOutloud.com, seven amazing years. We know that if America fails, the world will fail. It is incumbent upon us to carry the torch for liberty. America Out Loud Talk Radio, the liberty and justice for all. Cold and flu season is here. Wouldn't it be great if you had a way to minimize airborne viral threats? Well, now there is, and it's a pulvinone iodine-based antiviral nasal spray called Cofix RX. You might even say it's just what the doctor ordered. To reduce your chance of getting hurt, you wear a safety belt when you're driving. To limit sun damage, you wear sunscreen on the beach. Cofix RX is just like that. It's an additional layer of protection. It's sold by thousands of pharmacists and medical doctors nationwide. It's made right here in the USA. Again, it's a pulvinone iodine-based antiviral nasal spray. You've heard them talk about it here on the Outloud Network over and over again. Check out cofixrx.com. That's C-O-F-I-X-R-X.com for a retailer near you or use coupon code OUTLOUD for 20% off at cofixrx.com. We know you love the versatility and portability of the Genesis Fogger, but sometimes you just want to set it and forget it. Well, we heard you. Introducing the UX4 HOCL Atomizer. This stationary unit quietly protects you and is perfect for smaller spaces. With over a quarter million units sold in Japan, it's now available in the United States. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud to see the UX4 in action and receive a 15% discount on either Falker with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you're ready for anything. The family of Juliana Parker sincerely thanks the Truth For Health Foundation. Without their support and help, we would not have been able to get my mother out of the hospital and into my home where I could take care of her for the last few days of her life. Offering us comfort care just wasn't good enough. We knew that she could be with us longer and it was a fight to get her out and without their support and help and their list of all the things that we needed to do to make this happen, because it definitely seemed like it was going to take a miracle. And that miracle came. I look back and I can't believe that we were able to go against a giant hospital, bring our mother home and then. I just remember fall. It was so beautiful when my mother passed here in my living room and they took her away and I could see all the beautiful leaves. Anyways, thank you. Welcome back to the second half of the Whistleblower Report. And today is the Border Report, the U.S. border invasion. And our question that we will be discussing in the second half, is this the new American slave trade. What's really going on at our southern border? And we're here with veteran U.S. military, Army veteran and U.S. Border Patrol agent Sam Adams, which is a pseudonym to protect his identity, given the dangerousness of his work and the persecution that truth tellers have been subject to under this administration. So. 
Agent Adams, let's talk further. I'd like I'd like you to quickly address what's happening about the diseases that I was writing about 10 years ago, the diseases coming across the border with under the border surge during the Obama administration, we were seeing drug resistant tuberculosis skyrocketing, many unusual viruses, Chagas disease, chikungunya virus, um, Ebola was coming across at that time, although kept under wraps, people didn't know it. There were serious respiratory viruses coming in from Central America. And when they transported the illegals on charter flights from the Tucson airport, charter flights paid for by Department of Homeland Security, taxpayers' money, they were taking them to cities in the Midwest and across America. And we tracked the, that was the year 2014 when the Central American respiratory virus was killing children in American ICUs. And nobody could figure out why we suddenly had this strange respiratory virus affecting young people and causing deaths of children. And it was later tracked back to the virus that originated in Central America, transported by those illegally brought here and dispersed by DHS throughout the country. Of course, that was swept under the rug then, just as the problems are now. So what are you seeing with the, do they screen? the illegal border crossers? Yes, that's a good question. So um, right now, when, when you catch or apprehend um, an illegal alien, or if once they give themselves up, uh, we were somewhat screening them. That screening process was we had nurses at each uh, each individual border patrol station. They, they would come out. They would uh, lift up the shirts, see if they have any red marks, any noticeable, noticeable things of like chicken pox uh, or or any other type of uh, skin disease that they could see visually. Um, and then they would get, because of COVID, they would get their temperature. Um, they would ask if any of them are sick and then ask for uh, uh, what ailments uh, they had, whether it was headache, coughing, sneezing, uh, you know, congestion. Any, and really, it's, lately, it's only been about uh, what, if they had any COVID-like symptoms. Um, and that's about it. Right now, uh, that's shifted. Um, at each station, the only people that are now getting checked are those who are going to be part of uh, uh, cases, whether they're going to be material witnesses. If it's a smuggling case, um, then they'll ch be checked. But if not, we, we send them to the processing centers. Uh, there they, they somewhat check them. Uh, once again, it's going to be just temperature checks, make sure that they have nothing visual on their bodies. And, and that is it. Um, and like I said before, that uh, we are circumventing uh, not only the expedited removal process, but we are circumventing the detention uh, law, the law to, de uh, to put uh, these illegals into detention to make sure that one, uh, they say who they, I mean, they are who they say they are. That's also another issue that we could talk about. Um, and also to see if they are medically cleared uh, to be also to be released into the United States, whether they are credible fear or, um, and whatnot. And so we're not doing that either. Um, we are doing the alternate to detention methods. You mentioned that earlier by giving them cell phones. Um, they're released into the country um, and given an alternate to detention method. Uh, they have been given bracelets before, uh, ankle bracelets, uh, but that uh, was deemed to be too inhumane. So uh, they're now given cell phones. 
and, uh, and that is their uh, detention model. And they're given about uh, their, the stamp on that parole uniform, their, uh, their parole document. They're given 60 days to contact the ICE office of the location that uh, we are sending them to or the NGOs uh, um, paid for by also taxpayer dollars um, are uh, also going to send them to anywhere into the United States. So really, we're not screening them for really anything. So like if, if there was an Ebola outbreak uh, in Africa or if there was uh, TB or you, you name any sort of disease um, that's in any of the over 100 countries that is now coming and flowing through our southern border, uh, we're not detaining these people to figure out if they have that or not. So that, to be honest, that is ooh. a danger to the American populace as well. And those who are coming as applicants for legal immigration have extensive medical clearance they have to undergo. I've read the material on the CDC website. Listeners, you should go and read the CDC website about what legal immigrants have to do in order to show they're medically cleared. They need medical exams in their country of origin. They need chest x-rays. They need blood work. They need proof of multiple vaccinations. All of that is being ignored for those illegally crossing our southern border, our northern border, and landing on Florida beaches. Disgusting and dangerous. Let's talk about the great American slave trade. What's going on that leads you to make that statement in the conversations we had before we started the show? Sure. So a big question, and, uh, and I just want to ask um, all those that are listening, um, what is border security? And what, what are the, the variables that determine whether the border is secure or not? And how will we know if we have it? And unfortunately, the, the government and Department of Homeland Security, um, there's only three metrics that determine whether the border is secure. And, and their model to determine that is based off of apprehensions, turnbacks, and gotaways. Um, and that's codified in law under 6 U.S. Code. Okay, 6 U.S. Code 223. And, and so we... We only look really at that metric to determine whether anything else is secure or not. There's nothing else. And as I said before, the federal government has declared that the only thing happening at the border is a humanitarian crisis of family units, um, asylum seekers, uh, refugees, and unaccompanied children. So every other operation is being hidden. And that operation is the biggest one to the biggest national security threat at our Southern border are the, the Mexican cartels and the Mexican cartels operationally control both sides of the border. Now, what does that mean? What does it mean to operationally control? That means that they govern, they control the populace. They govern both sides of the border. 
Now they do it differently than they do in Mexico. In Mexico, they, of course, they govern a lot uh, more with more kinetic force. Uh, that's a military term to be through hyperviolence. Uh, they, they are a parallel government in Mexico and Mexico is a failing, if not failed state, uh, run by the Mexican cartels. And so when I say that they operationally control both sides of the borders, they also govern the U S side of the border and they control it. They control the people, they control the movement of anything in between, in, in between and at the ports of entry, nothing happens at our southern border without their approval. Nothing. And so if you look at it like the Ghostbusters and you see the key master would probably be the UN, the World Economic Forum, and, and then the gatekeeper to the destruction of the United States sovereignty and our national, national security apparatus would be the Mexican cartels. And so every single thing that comes through their plazas or their AOR, their area of responsibility, is owned by them. Therefore, every single person that goes in between that port of entry is owned by the cartel, is a cartel commodity. As sad as it sounds, as, uh, as harsh it is to believe, but these people, no matter the gotaways, the people that are getting trying to run away from us, or the people that are uh, turning themselves in, are all owned by the Mexican cartels. When they come up, so it was, I think, in February of 2021, uh, when the story broke out, uh, I believe it was Jason Jones. Um, he is a border uh, reporter for uh, Newsmax, uh, put it out that the cartels were starting to use wristbands. Um, they were giving these illegal aliens numbers. The wristbands would denote who they, what uh, cartel organization owned them, how much they paid, where they were going, you name it. It was a complete system, just like if they were running Walmart. And they were all barcoded, each and every individual one of them. They're owned. And so... Well, uh, why I say it's the greatest American slave trade is because uh, they're also owned no matter if they hit their destination or not. So say if they come to us, they go through the, the in between the port of entry and we apprehend them. We process them as parolees or asylum seekers or refugees. We allow them to enter the U.S. and they safely arrive into your neighborhood, wherever you're listening to, they're going to arrive in your neighborhood. Well, they are still owned by the cartels because they still have to pay off that debt for getting to that location. It's not free. They are indentured servants and they now, now belong to the cartels. So uh, it depends on how much money they owe. Some, some people are paying $8,000. Um, it all depends on what area of uh, the country in Mexico you go through, what a cartel you go through, uh, where you're going to go into the United States. It all depends. Each individual family and each individual person coming across, it's all de um, it varies, varies widely on how much you owe the cartel.
Um, and so you either work for the cartels here in the United States on their illicit networks. You either work um, getting a parole after you are paroled. Um, you're getting a social security number. Uh, you're authorized to do that through USCIS. And so you're going to be able to work while well, you still owe that money. So that money is all they give them to a, the accounts of the cartel accounts. Or you may work for a cartel owned legitimate business, whether that is in construction or anywhere else. Uh, either way, um, you are still in, in, indebted to these uh, transnational uh, Mexican cartels. And so that is why it is the largest American slave trade in the United States. We are literally moving cartel commodities throughout the United States. They're cartel owned and unfortunately is now subsidized by the American public. We are subsidizing uh, cartel operations throughout the United States. The cartels get them here to the United States. And now they don't even have to figure out how to get them to their destination because now under this new administration or this administration, we're providing the, the ways and means to do so for them. It, this is absolutely beyond comprehension. And I would say probably 99% of Americans have no idea of the enormity of this damage. And this is definitely something that has escalated far worse than anything that I was involved working with with Border Patrol agents during the eight years under the Obama administration. I mean, we knew he was pushing open borders. We knew he was using people coming across the border as human carriers of disease, which essentially makes them biological weapons coming across in the body of humans who are sick and carrying infectious diseases. And we knew that there were criminals and terrorists coming across. But now what you're describing is also an invasion of our businesses and invasion of our social structure, social security, social welfare system that working Americans are the ones paying the price of that. Yeah, essentially you're paying for child trafficking. You're paying for the these children being raped across the United States. And uh, the um, when we want to talk about families, um, I was I was actually I looked at that uh, YouTube site, and so this is the priority under the new humanitarian agency known as the Customs and Border Protection. It said first is uh, rescues, meaning the the rescues of all the migration or the migrants, and then it's the family care. And then it's American safety. If you guys remember under the Trump administration, um, they kept talking about family separation. And now, um, actually, the, the people that are actually separating families are the Mexican cartels. So um, if, you're, if you're coming up here illegally in the United States, and if you know that if right as it stands right now, if you're, if you're a single Guatemalan or a Honduran, uh, for the most part, if we have the money, then you're probably going to be um, uh, removed from this country or what people call, say deported. Um, but if we don't have the funds, then typically you're going to be uh, Title 42 back through the POE into Mexico. So what they'll do um, is they'll grab um, the Mexican cartels. will start uh, um, 
taking kids from other families, giving them to Guatemalan, Guatemalans and Hondurans. And then they'll start, uh, they'll also give them false documents saying that they're either Nicaraguan or uh, another country that we're actually paroling. And so they'll, they'll have false documents and now they're a completely false family unit. And, and then they come up into the U.S. and that's how they're getting paroled. And, and where those kids go, who knows? Uh, this problem was uh, brought up in 2014, if you remember, under the Obama. I, I do remember. And, uh, and it was actually, there was a DHS whistleblower who uh, put all of this out. And uh, that was Jason Piccolo. And uh, he was a whistleblower stating that uh, what was happening to the unaccompanied children that we were giving them to back to the traffickers, uh, that we lost thousands. And already to this date, we've already found out that uh, the federal government has already come out and stated that we've already lost thousands of unaccompanied children where we don't know what happened to them. And, um, and so really, um, it's this administration that is a part of uh, the, fa- the true family separation. Um, it's the Biden administration, not the Trump administration. Because the Biden administration, like I said, they're subsidizing this human trafficking, child trafficking across the United States. Um, and we're and really just working hand in hand with Mexican cartels. So all the way around, it's a flawless criminal enterprise on both sides of the border, starting at the top of the highest levels of our own government, working with the criminal transnational cartels and the failed state of Mexico. America, if you don't stand up and if you don't start defending this country as a sovereign nation, we will be further eroded into a failed state, much like Mexico, Venezuela, and other third world countries, Nicaragua. You just, you just mentioned that. And many of these countries I've been to, I've also spent time in communist countries, the Soviet Union, Eastern Europe, and I have seen what oppression and fear tactics and persecution of people leads to, I've seen it firsthand. So this is where we're headed unless all of us collectively work together to change the status quo and the devolution of America into lawlessness, chaos, tyranny, and crime. Your thoughts on what you see Americans can do Agent Adams, what what would you recommend that American citizens listening to this, what, what options do they have to stand against this invasion and begin to hold elected officials accountable? Sure. Um, the very first thing is to, to get educated, uh, to have a profound understanding of what's happening at the border. You're not going to get that from watching CNN or Fox News. You're not. Um, I, I will provide uh, you with uh, a list so I, don't, so I don't have to list it out at nauseum on this radio podcast, but I'll provide you with a list but, um, of, of people and organizations that are actually putting out the truth. Um, and, and what you're going to have to do is actually you're going to have to sift even through that because each organization kind of has their own, whether they're a subject matter expert of one thing, whether that's cartels or whether they're a subject matter expert of the weaponization of mass migration that's happening right now 
Um, so you're just going to have to find all those subject matter experts and try to combine it and create a holistic viewpoint of exactly what's happening. Um, cause you're not going to get that from, uh, just following just one news source and one, one stream media. Uh, then the next one is, um, once you have that knowledge, uh, then doing something about it. Um, uh, right now, un unfortunately, everyone is still waiting and, and waiting for the federal government and those they've elected in their uh, their capacity, whether that is uh, at the state legislature level or whether that's your, your congressman. Um, you, you're still waiting for them to either come up with solutions to the problem um, and then rapidly enact those. But unfortunately, we've been waiting for such a long time. Um, and and Back in 2011, if, uh, if I just have a second, back in 2011, um, the, Texas, the, the ranchers along the southern border uh, were trying to change the paradigm, just like what you're doing right now. They're trying to change the paradigm of the, what was actually happening at the southern border. Um, and at that time period, the Mexican cartels were, were actually transitioning from just criminal level activities to a national insurgency. And that insurgency was spilling over into the United States. Like I said, and that's when they started really starting to take control um, using insurgent tactics and techniques that we see over in the Middle East to control both sides of the border. Uh, like I said, the, the Mexican cartels have a, a different way. Uh, they actually have a foreign strategic policy on how they operate in the United States based off of also the how the state operates themselves. And so the, these farmers and ranchers really needed to get uh, a shift in the people's mindset on what was actually happening. So what they did is on the 82nd legislature in Texas, they, they hired two retired army generals to do a threat assessment of the border and then to have them testify in Congress about the truths of what, what's actually happening in Mexico on the border in the United States, uh, based on whether that's uh, mass migration, illegal immigration, but also the threat of the Mexican cartels. And they also created um, a website of all the testimonials of all the ranchers and everyone in Texas dealing with this problem. Unfortunately, um, nothing happened. Here we are over a decade later, nothing happened. So it's not just about knowing the truth. The next step is actually having uh, an apparatus or a, a way or means to actually take that truth and weaponize that truth to get action. And you can go in front of your legislature, you can go and write, you can go and do petitions, but really we, the, Texas has been trying to do that this whole entire time and here we are today. Nothing's changed, it's just it's worse. And so really actually the only, the only effective means to restore the power back in the hands of the citizen is actually called coordination county coordination meetings uh under law a county coordinate during county coordination meetings it actually brings the state and federal government to the table of the citizen it brings all powers of the federal government both at the decentralized level of the citizen uh at the same level field as the federal government it brings everyone back and it restores the power and restores the the actual uh what this constitutional republic should be. And in, in Texas, we actually have something that's even stronger, that even makes the coordination efforts even stronger, and that's the 391 statute. 
that 391 statute in, te- in that Texas statute actually forces or compels not only the federal government, but the state to act in accordance with what is going to be in the coordination meeting, the resolution brought up between two municipalities and what they figure out on what to do in order to, to secure the safety and the welfare of their citizens around them. Those pro- I, I'm really glad to hear that Texas has some strong laws and I'd like to have you come back and let's talk more about the model of Texas and how we can inspire people in other states to, to work towards those goals legislatively. We're at the smack end of the show today And I am grateful that you laid out the issues so clearly and so in such an organized way that it helps people to understand the enormity of it. And I would like to have you come back and do another whistleblower report on clarifying and adding to a lot of what you've brought out today. Thank you, Agent Adams. And thank you, listeners for paying attention to something I know is difficult to face, but we must, our survival as a nation and the safety of our families, communities, and children and grandchildren is at stake. Get loud, get involved, and check out all the resources that Agent Adams is going to provide us to post on truthforhealth.org. Sign up for our email alerts. Be part of the solution. Be part of the truth campaign to save our constitutional republic. God bless you all. We'll be back again for our next whistleblower report. Share the word, get involved, and let's make this nation great again as God inspired our founders and as our ancestors fought to achieve. This is Dr. Lee for America signing off today.